Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another episode of Cryptique. Don't miss a single episode by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the show, shoot us a five-star rating and write a review. More importantly, tell all of your friends about the stories we discuss. After all, there's something for everyone. We cover the paranormal, hidden history, forbidden knowledge, conspiracy theories, fringe science, and even some folklore. If you can't find something you like, send us a suggestion at crypticpodcast at gmail.com and we'll put it on the playlist. We'd also like to suggest Movie Hell for those of you interested in cinema and movie reviews and exploring evil if true crime is more your thing. But tonight, kick back in your easy chair and hit cruise control on your starship console because Ryan and I are covering an otherworldly topic. You guessed it. Liftoff. Aliens. We've gotten a ton of emails requesting we do a show on aliens, and we have one in the works for the Rendlesham Forest incident. But tonight, we're headed to the bluegrass state of Kentucky for the Kelly Hopkinsville alien encounter. Imagine, you're out behind your rural farmhouse fetching water from the well. The night is calm and clear. Only the sounds of the forest fill the air. You see a silver disc glide silently in front of the moon with a chaotic rainbow of exhaust fuming out what appears to be the back of the otherworldly craft. It descends out of sight in a gully, leaving an eerie glow in its wake. Your mind floods with anxiety. Fear grips your throat. What have you just seen? It doesn't seem possible. You run swiftly back to your family. What's your next step? Do you run? to where. You tell your friend what you've just witnessed, load your rifle, and toss him the shotgun. Your family thinks you're joking, but they can sense your fear. Then, the dog on the porch starts to bark as you stare out into the darkness. Your move. This is the case of the Kelly Hopkinsville alien incident, and this is Cryptique. To begin, let's set the scene. On August 21st, 1955, a man named Billy Ray Taylor is visiting his friend Lucky Sutton at his home where his 10-person family lives. Around 7 p.m., Billy Ray goes out for water from a nearby well and witnesses a flying saucer flying overhead with an exhaust containing all the colors of a rainbow. This story is relayed to the Sutton family who dismiss it and don't want to be bothered checking outside. Not long after the story is told, the dog outside starts barking and Lucky Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor go outside to see what's going on. They see a glow in the distance and as it approaches, they can see a small man who appears to be about three and a half feet tall with a large round head, long thin arms that nearly reach to the ground and large eyes that glow yellow. Some versions of this story say that the creature approaches and holds up a hand in a welcoming gesture while some do not. In either case, Billy Ray and Lucky rush back to the house, grab their guns, and begin shooting at the creature as it gets within 20 feet of the back door. The creature makes a flipping maneuver and flees. Once back inside, the two men huddle with the rest of the Sutton family in the living room, and a similar creature appears at the window, is fired upon, and retreats with the same flipping motion as the first. Billy Ray steps outside to see if the creature was hit, but is pulled back inside as the Sutton saw a clawed hand reach down from the overhang towards his head. Lucky fires at the creature on the roof, and both Lucky and Billy Ray fired another creature in a nearby tree. 
The creature in the tree is reported to have floated to the ground or even hovered in midair for a moment rather than falling before retreating into the woods. An additional creature is spotted on the roof and shot, but the bullet seems to bounce off the creature with a metallic clang, after which it scurries into the woods as well. One more creature who appeared and was shot at on the roof hovers to a fence 40 feet away rather than falling to the ground. About 20 minutes after this series of events, a creature described by witness Glennie Lankford as looking like a 5-gallon gasoline can with a head and two thin spindly legs and shimmers like it was made of bright metal. Glennie screams at the sight of this and Billy Ray fires at it through the screen door. For the next three hours, creatures appear on the roof, at the windows, and around the property, and the shooting continues, although the creatures seem mostly unaffected. Around 11 p.m., the group makes a break for their cars and head for the Hopkinsville Police Station. Convinced that their fear was genuine, they send officers back to the house with some of the men. They are later joined by a number of other officers and state troopers. One state trooper reports having seen something like several meteor flashes over his car in a slightly descending arc towards the Sutton farm. He also reported them making sounds like artillery. The police chief, after arriving, checks to see if anyone has been drinking and finds no evidence of it. The police chief also notes evidence of gunfire, but the hard soil does not show any footprints. A stain which appears luminous from an angle is found, but no soil sample is collected. By 2.15 a.m., all police and a journalist leave the Sutton House concluding that no convincing evidence of alien activity was found. At 3.30 a.m., the house lights are down and Glennie Langford sees a creature at her window and screams. She tries to stop Lucky from shooting at it by pointing out that they haven't actually done any harm but he ignores her and fires anyway. This cycle of approaching, gunfire, and retreat repeated until 90 minutes before sunrise. We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hello, Crypt Keepers. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I know I am. If you're a true crime junkie like me, you should dig into my other podcast, Exploring Evil. It's the black sheep of our podcast family. I cover lesser-known serial killers and everything wicked and bizarre. I just did an episode on Mata Viajitas, Mexico City's little old lady killer, and you won't believe how it ends. But you'll have to listen to find out. Some of my stories have a paranormal twist, like the Singapore Shaman and the High Priestess of Blood. You can find Exploring Evil everywhere you find Cryptique. If you want to start a podcast, I can help. Email me at crypticpodcast at gmail.com to inquire about editing, production, music, sound effects, and mastering services that I have available. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. 
<laughs> Boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Howl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. We now return to Cryptique. So, do we think these are aliens? Or could they potentially be some kind of demon? A bit of the research that you sent me, there was an excerpt from Dr. Gregory L. Little, who wrote In UFO Abductions Through the Ages, which was published in 1994. And his quote said, As my eyes fell on the demon drawings in Plancy's Dictionnaire, Infernal, from 1863, I was struck by their similarity to the famous 1955 Kelly Hopkinsville UFO case. Imagine the demons as gray in color, and they would also fit the description of the ubiquitous grays in recent abductions. There are many in the UFO field, as well as various religious leaders, who believe that the creatures associated with UFOs are demons. The similarity of some demons to the grays of UFO reports are probably no coincidence. So what do you think? Do you think these are something natural? Do you think they're something demonic? Do you think they're actually from another world, another dimension? You know, I'm really up in the air on it because I definitely believe in aliens and I definitely believe in demons. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like it could just as easily go one way as the other. And I think that a demon may try and make us believe that there's aliens out there all over the place to try and limit our faith in God that we're, you know, a special we're in a special place created by God that a demon might want us to believe like, oh, no, no, no. There's places all over the place just like this. You guys are not special. But I don't know. I mean, I got to believe that if he saw a disc flying across the sky and it landed and then they came and raided the house, basically, that I I would think a demon may pick a a different victim. I, I don't know that a demon would you know say well i'm gonna get these country bumpkins that probably half the people are gonna believe they're on moonshine and uh get them to convince the world that aliens are real whereas i would think maybe if there was something if they had a an issue with their craft you know if there was something mechanically wrong and they kind of had to land there that that would make more sense but that wouldn't explain how they got away if there was a problem with their craft so i'm kind of up in the air on it what do you think i don't know now that you've said that i've got other thoughts originally i thought it that they might be some kind of alien i mean the craft coming in that way you know definitely seems pretty consistent with ufos just the type of movement you know just odd things about it that you wouldn't see from a traditional aircraft but also things that seem harder to make up. Who would have thought of saying that they had a rainbow-colored exhaust? That seems strange. Or I think the original account of a flying saucer, if I remember right, the actual what the guy actually said wasn't that it looked like a saucer, but it moved like a saucer being skipped across the surface of water, which is, you know, it, it brings an image to my mind, but it's, 
not a type of movement I would think of. I would just say, yeah, it was flying across the sky. I wouldn't have thought to bring that type of like skipping motion to it. And that could be a sign that the craft was damaged too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not supposed to be putting out that <laughs> rainbow kind of, you know, material, whatever that was, if it was exhaust or something else. Cause yeah, I've never heard of a, a UFO having any kind of, like, let me rephrase that. I haven't heard of a suspected alien craft putting out an exhaust like that. Because UFO is just unidentified. But if we're talking about something somebody's claiming is an alien craft, I've not seen, you know, any accounts of it having any kind of exhaust. You know, it's not... Unless it's like an alien semi, maybe. Just... <laughs> well, you would think that rainbow exhaust would be one of the most memorable things that people would report if, in fact, that you know was something that they saw you know there's a lot of people that believe during abductions and encounters that your memory's kind of wiped clean or whatever but i think that if somebody that has reported an alien craft saw a rainbow exhaust that's not something they would leave out i think that would be reported for sure yeah it's it's a very unique sort of feature to see and i mean we hear of triangular craft we hear of craft that appear to be in multiple pieces that split apart and come back together or, you know, kind of like a mothership type situation. But yeah, this is one that I've never, I've never seen anything like this before. And the description of them, and you can Google it because there are sketches of these creatures all over. They were called uh, Hopkinsville goblins too, because they have kind of that sort of look to them. They have the big ears it's almost like um like a more menacing version of like a house elf from the harry potter movies or something big ears little spindly bodies except big glowing yellow eyes and i'm kind of skipping ahead in some of the talking points that we had intended to get to but they reminded me a lot of the creatures from greg and dana newkirk series hellier which is also in kentucky um i think when we talked you weren't very familiar with the story but the whole thing started in 2012 when Greg started getting emails I believe through his former ghost hunting group website and it was from a guy called David Christie who was saying that you know these creatures were coming into his house he sent pictures of uh, footprints and things like that you know, he said that they were coming into his yard and coming up to his window and his dogs were going missing and and it was actually really creepy you know, to the point where uh, my girlfriend at the time, when I was watching this, you know, she watched a couple minutes of it with me and uh, where they were going through these emails. She was like, all right, this is too much. I'm out. She goes, I thought this was some hokey ghost hunting stuff. <laughs> but. Mm -hmm. Now, are these the photos where it looks like almost like neon lights, kind of like just in the air? Or? No, these were just. The only photos that they had, I believe, were, or maybe it was something that they posted online, because they did other kind of reporting about this investigation outside of their series. But they were just pictures of these sort of kind of large-ish three-toed prints. And they're just, it's hard to explain. I've never seen anything quite like it. But as far as lights, I can't recall if lights were reported. There definitely weren't pictures of any of them. But they thought that they thought that they might not be alien, but they might be something natural that was living in some of the cave systems. There are apparently extensive caves throughout Kentucky 
There are also abandoned mines. So maybe they are aliens. Maybe they had some kind of problem with their craft. You know, like you're saying, hence the the smoke or the exhaust type material. And uh, maybe they are hiding out in caves. Maybe this is kind of how they got there, and now there's a population of them. Well, and that seems to be a theme throughout alien uh, society, I guess. Or, uh, you know, I don't want to say lore because that makes it sound like it's all fake, but there seems to be a lot of stories of these creatures having bases or kind of lurking in the underground. I believe in New Mexico, isn't there a, supposed to be an underground base there that's supposed to be packed with aliens? It's not Roswell, but... No, I I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of it. I've heard of stuff like that before, that there are, you know, joint bases between, like, U.S. or whatever, and alien personnel. I guess maybe, like, NATO forces and aliens, but I've never put too much stock in those. You brought up uh, the aspect of a demon shaking a person's faith by kind of pointing out you're not you're not special you're not you know the world isn't what you think it is and i think that definitely happens in paranormal investigations i think that's very likely when you think you're communicating with some kind of higher being mm-hmm. i think it's i mean as teenagers you might have called around to places and messed with people right like like bart calling moe's tavern and saying i'm looking for mr butts mr seymour butts and it's like mm-hmm. why wouldn't if there were kind of lower level entities out there why wouldn't they do something like that too so if you're if you're on a spirit board why wouldn't they come through and mess with you i think some might be doing it just for grins yes and i think it's also possible that some of them are doing it for a malicious purpose to make you afraid or or for for whatever else their goals might be so it's true from that sort of religious perspective i don't think the suttons would have had anything to gain from it and i don't think they would have done it Uh, just thinking about family that i have that are kind of in the south uh i don't know my experience has just been that folks are a little bit more religious a little bit more conservative and kind of less open in terms of how they would share a weird experience like this they might not go out and tell everybody right away you know they might be a little bit more afraid of ridicule or how they'd be seen in their town especially if it's a small community which this seems to be One of the articles referred to Kelly not as a town, but as a wider spot in the road. So this would be a really small community. And I actually saw some uh, news reports. You know, they were talking about, you know, such and such years ago this happened. It was like an anniversary of this encounter. And they were saying, you know, it was a handful of private residences and a really small town that supported this rail line. And that was it. So it seemed unlikely to them as well that they would have made up this story. And from what I was able to find, both through the research that you sent me and through what I found on my own, it seems like they had a really hard time after they reported this. Like you're saying, a lot of people assumed they were on moonshine or they were you know, just seeing things. Maybe they were seeing meteors or whatever, you know, shooting stars. But Well, it was to the point where they moved quickly after this happened, right? Right, yeah, they did. Both uh, Billy Ray and Lucky moved. And they had people showing up to the farm. They had people coming onto the land and taking things and trying to get little souvenirs. And that was when 
they put up the sign saying that, you know, they wanted a dollar to get information about what was going on or 50 cents to come onto the property or $10 to take photos, stuff like that. And then people started saying, well, they're just doing it for money. And it kind of died down because they were tired of people bothering them about it. It seems, you know, from some of the articles that I read and some of the interviews with people who knew some of these folks that they really didn't want any part of, you know, the, the attention that came with this story. It's just, they were afraid. So they went to the police like you would and this happened and particularly one of the uh, pieces of video I found somebody who knew the police chief who was there at the time who's the one that handled this was told by that police chief that when uh, Glennie Lankford retold the story at any time that they talked to her about that story he said this look of absolute fear came over her he said it was like the most convincing piece about it. Like whatever it was, you know, it she was terrified of it. And you wouldn't have that if it was a story that you made up, unless you're just a fantastic actor. I, I don't know. I just can't see how they benefited from this at all. I mean, people will, like you said, point to the fact that they started charging people money. But I don't think that, I, I mean, if every day... I had, you know, dozens of people or whatever coming to my house, coming onto my property, hassling my family and I, hassling my kids. I don't have a problem with them saying, hey, if you want to come on the property, you're going to give us a dollar. And I don't know what that was worth in 1955, but probably seven, ten bucks, something like that. It's not like they got rich off of it. And as far as I know, they didn't sell their story to anybody. So it's you know it just is what it is you either take them at their word or you don't and they kind of seem like salt of the earth people i mean they worked hard for everything that they had i mean i just don't see the big gain in the end i don't see the the long play where maybe eventually they get a movie deal out of it or even a book deal or something i I know that people have written books about it but i don't know that the suttons ever really made money off of it aside from what they charged people to come onto their property and truth be told I'd probably do the same thing yeah I would too I mean I wanted to do that at work people who annoy me coming over to ask questions you know it's like all right you're paying me a buck put a dollar in the jar every time you come over to ask me that question again and you'll probably learn (laughs) I think you're probably right about there not being any kind of plan to make money long term I mean there's no smoking gun You know, there are theories that, like, the Amityville horror was fake. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a story that this family made up because they wanted to get a movie deal or a book deal or they wanted to be famous or whatever. But, you know, these folks seemed to not enjoy it. They did start charging money, but they also moved away. They didn't seem to seek any limelight after that. I mean, and the whole reason that I wanted to cover this was it's a weird story in that it doesn't seem very similar to many other encounters. And it's not that well known. All right. So does that sum it up for what the Suttons had to gain and why they wouldn't have made this story up? I think so. All right. So what's next? So do you have any theories? I mean, the encounter's well, actually, the encounter is not short, but the encounter is very simple. You know, it's just them approaching, being fired at, leaving and coming back but do you have any theories on what they might have wanted or why they were there maybe why they chose that particular spot 
Well, I have to go back to the possibility that there was a problem with their ship. Um, obviously, they would be much more advanced technologically than we would be. And I don't know why they would keep coming if they had been shot at. That part doesn't make sense to me because unless they... You would think that if they were coming for help, they would learn pretty quickly after being shot, even though it, it you know, didn't do much damage to them, that these people weren't going to help them. And you would also think if they were there for more nefarious purposes, like to kidnap one or, I guess, abduct one of them, or to kill them or hurt them or anything like that, that they would have had the technology to go ahead and follow through with that plan and just walk right into the house and take the gun. So, I don't know. That's a tough one for me, too. That's, you know, it kind of, I think, adds a little bit of credibility because there was no agenda, so to speak. It was just kind of a weird encounter where it seems like both sides were confused about what was going on. And I don't know. It's weird because I can't figure out what their intent was. Yeah. Yeah, some of the stories say that they were... Well, like we said, that they were dressed in something that was like uh, like polished nickel. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they were wearing some kind of suit, and maybe the glow came from that suit. Maybe what they thought were eyes were actually, you know, what they were looking out of, out of the suit. Maybe it just helped them survive or get around, you know. So that could be sort of a misinterpretation of what they really look like. And then those suits may be protective in a way that they didn't maybe realize exactly what was happening. That's a good point. You know, kind of like when you have a, I don't like to make this comparison, but if you had like a small dog Mm -hmm. who you're play fighting with and it's like, you don't necessarily know if it's really trying to hurt you or not, (laughs) because it's not really capable of it. And if they're that advanced and they're, whatever they're wearing is so tough, maybe they don't realize that these people are actually like terrified and trying to hurt them maybe they think they're like putting up some little resistance but it's like it's okay they'll tire out soon and we'll go talk to them because the thing that got me is the you know i mentioned it the the hand up in another Mm -hmm. you know version of the story says that one of them came with both hands up like understood what the guns were was like you know we're not here to hurt anybody and that's why they might have kept coming back because they were just trying to show like you keep shooting us and we keep running away but we come back we're not being hurt like we're not trying to we're not returning fire but yeah they might have needed materials that's the only reason i could imagine they would pick such a small place unless they literally had no other option you know a little tiny town like if there's not much of a military presence not much of a threat but the materials or whatever it was that they needed were there you know you might choose to go someplace like that or they get a flat tire you can get a flat tire anywhere <laughs> I hope that I don't get a flat tire in the backwoods of Kentucky sometime, but I agree with the, if they were putting their hands up, that is kind of a universally known submissive action, like to show, you know, even, I think people do it with animals, they show their hands, I don't have anything, I'm not going to hurt you, and I don't know. Maybe they had come in contact with other people before and those gestures worked and those people, maybe the gesture was supposed to be some sort of uh, mind control thing too. You never know. Maybe they had some sort of, uh, they talk about, you know, mind speak and stuff like that, that maybe it was some sort of uh, 
psychic power. I don't know. Something like that. Maybe it just didn't work on these people. Yeah. Maybe they assumed they were going to be drunk. <laughs> like, we're in rural Kentucky. <laughs> They're going to be sloshed. Yeah. Yeah, I... And that might be a reason for picking that place, too. Like, everybody down here drinks moonshine. They won't believe this alien crazy story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another one of the sort of explanations that I saw of the creatures, not the craft, was that they might have seen a certain type of owl that was common to that area and can be aggressive and territorial. But if you're living out in the woods, you know what's out there. You know, where I live, there are creatures around there, deer and foxes and hawks and all these things that are around. And I know what they sound like. Right. You know, I mean, every once in a while you might encounter something new, but I've never gone outside in the middle of the night and thought I saw a glowing three and a half foot tall man. (laughs) I've never. Right. After a ship with alien or after a ship with rainbow exhaust crashed in the gully next to your house. I mean, the whole owl thing is ridiculous to me. And I know that there's uh, that one movie that kind of portrayed owls as like alien watchers or whatever. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, the uh, called the fourth kind. Yeah. From uh, like 09 with yeah Mia yeah. Jovovich. That movie is real. I mean, that. That's one that took me a little while to recover from seeing the first time. And then, unfortunately, my fiancé was like, yeah, I'll try to watch a scary movie with you. So I made her watch that, and she did not sleep well for, like, two weeks. Yeah, it's pretty intense. But, yeah, that – and it's that's a common thing anyway. The people, when they have these sort of experiences, they tend mm-hmm. to see owls. And there's a, a theory that there's something going on that it's like a screen yeah. memory. Yeah, but I don't think under any circumstances that – people that probably hunted for some of their food would see an owl and think it was an alien coming to attack them and then somehow their 22 rifle and shotgun blast just ricocheted off the owl's chest and it gently backflipped into the tree. I think that that's city folks trying to say, oh, you simple country people, you don't even know your own animals. Well, I got news for you. People know that live in the country know what animals look like and they know what an owl would look like. And if you've got a 3.5 foot tall owl, as you say, uh, that's a pretty big owl. I think that some of that comes with their description of the hands as being talon like Mm -hmm. that people automatically jump to it and say, oh, it was probably an owl because they have big eyes that reflect light and big talons and they can fly. And to me, that's just a ridiculous argument. I would agree with that. Folks in that area would have known what they were seeing. And I don't think these folks had any reason to lie. And from what we found in our research, you know, there was a little bit of interest shown by Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. But it was mostly ignored because they were interested in nuts and bolts craft, not beings. Yeah. And it sounds like they discounted anything that involved encounters with beings. So it was kind of put off to the side and not really looked at. In one of the forms that I found when researching this was allegedly from Project Blue Book and labeled the story as CP, which is allegedly supposed to mean crackpot, and that they dismissed the case based also on the fact that they thought these were just backwoods people that didn't know what they were talking about. And in the beginning, like we have the benefit of hindsight, and in the beginning, 
you know, if this just happened and I was a policeman that got called to the scene, I might think like, oh, these people are just going to try and make money off of it. It's fake or whatever. Until you see how their lives are negatively affected in the future, you don't you don't have the benefit of of that knowledge as far as that this is going to do more harm than good to them. But I also saw that in one report, one of the police officers noticed a glow in the woods, a green glow, if I remember correctly, and reported it, but none of them chose to go check it out. And to me, that's totally unacceptable. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this case. You know, the glow in the soil, but no samples taken. Mm -hmm. Just a lot wasn't investigated. And, I mean, these people fired their weapons. They were obviously scared. They fired their weapons inside their house. Obviously, these are people that have firearms experience. And anybody knows you you don't fire a gun in your house unless it's really a life or death situation. Right. And one of the cops who, you know, there's a quote from him in some of this, had said that he thought it was you know, reasonable that it might have happened because why else would you shoot up your own house? Right. You know, there's evidence of gunfire in the home, through windows, through doors, and there's no reason to do that. You know, you're not going to mistake an owl outside for something trying to get in and shoot up the house. Right. And with my limited wildlife experience, um, I have fired guns in the woods, and what happens is all the animals evacuate. Every time I fired a gun in the woods, which has only been a few times, but birds fly off. I hear things scuttling around trying to get away. They don't come back and show themselves again. The, the sound scares them off. And I have to believe if there were any owls in the area after the first gunfire, they were probably gone. Yep. I would agree. I don't know. I mean, I would be more likely to discount everything if there was moonshine involved because I have heard that you can get hallucinations from moonshine but then it was also reported I believe by the police that Glennie Lankford did not allow alcohol in, in her house at all so moonshine would definitely be out and I don't know people well I do know a lot of people that have drank a lot of whiskey and a lot of tequila and even mixed other drugs with them but I don't know anyone that's ever gotten drunk and seen an alien especially in a group right where everybody's having a shared hallucination that that doesn't really happen yeah that's important i mean we talked about the two men but you know um everybody in the house saw it yeah there were at least 11 people i think the police said there were between 10 and 12 people present in the house at the time mm-hmm and most, if not all, of them saw. And Glennie seems like the type of person that would be more likely to say, no, we can't tell anyone about this, they'll think we're crazy, than she does as a person that would seek attention or let their family talk about that kind of stuff. She she just seems, I don't know, very down to earth, you know, just like a, a good, you know, matriarch of the family, and she's going to protect her family, but... You know, if she's going along with it, the kids saw it, the other people in the house saw it. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of witnesses to get things wrong. Right. It's a lot of people to see the same thing and have it mistaken for something else, too. Mm-hmm. 
So I definitely think they saw something. I just, you know, I'm not quite sure what it was. I do kind of like, now that I've talked about it, I didn't think about it before, but the idea of their sort of goblin-type appearance having something to do with some life support apparatus. You know, that might help explain some of their appearance. And that kind of goes along with, you know, maybe we want to stay away from it, but like the ancient aliens thing, where if you were to take modern devices, technologies, whatever, to the past, they would look like these things that people have reported. Yeah. You know, like a chariot of fire going off into the sky. Sounds a lot like a modern rocket. You know, so maybe it's something that we're taking to be this goblin creature, but there's some explanation for it. It's just a technology we're not familiar with. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, if you look at the spacesuits that NASA uses, if you believe in NASA, if someone was to describe a human in a spacesuit, they would look a lot different than what we really look like. They would probably say, oh, you know, these guys are, you know, six foot seven and, you know, 300 pounds. They've got really thick trunks and big arms and huge hands. But in reality, it's just us in a suit, you know? They wouldn't even probably be able to see our faces. In all the movies, the helmets are lit from the inside so you can see the actors. But in real life, that would just you know destroy your vision so yeah that would blind you from inside the helmet yeah so i mean it definitely could have been some sort of uh, apparatus to keep them i don't know oxygenated and you know keep their temperature right and stuff like that so i i want to talk about the police a little bit i just want to say that in covering true crime i've covered cases where i think the police work has just been atrocious and this falls right in line you've got people from so many different departments nobody takes charge they don't collect the evidence they should collect i don't understand how police officers don't they don't seem to have a a rule book to follow and it's just kind of like every department does their own thing sometimes they'll do this sometimes they won't and it's like no you you have to treat everything like it really happened from the get-go you know like with the john bonnet ramsey case they let dozens and dozens of people walk around throughout the house help you know clean up and stuff like that and it's like how do you how do you do that i mean how do you not investigate the glowing light in the gully how do you not take a soil sample i mean that's you know that's crime scene 101 and if the guy was scared to go down there and check it out i get it but that's your job well and there were a lot of police there too he wouldn't have had to go alone right right and i think maybe you know he had heard that the guns don't affect them and that would be you know kind of off-putting as a police officer but if it were me i would have to know i would have to go check that out and especially since they weren't seen as being aggressive aside from trying to grab the guy's hair you know they weren't shooting back i mean i would have to go check that out and I would believe that that's something that probably haunts that guy to this day. Like, why didn't I go check that out? I should have checked it out. But here we are, a loose end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the Air Force, I think it was reported up to the Air Force too, Project Blue Book, and they just wrote it off. They didn't bother looking at it. And that's really dangerous when it comes to the types of things we discuss. To just take the status quo, to just accept the answer that someone gives you you have to investigate 
and that wasn't done here and that's a real shame for the family and a shame for the police and a shame for all of us who are interested in it because we deserve more information too. If you guys have any questions or comments about this or think we missed something, shoot us an email at cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com and we'll go over it with you. We'll send you an email back and we'll talk about it. And maybe if we get enough information from stuff that uh, you guys know that we haven't covered, we'll do a follow-up episode. Yeah, that'd be cool. So That would be pretty cool if we uh, had enough to make a whole new episode about it. Just to hear other people's theories, hear other takes on it, maybe encounters or versions of the encounter that we didn't find in our own research. Absolutely. Yeah, we want you guys to be involved. Come and be a part of our show. It's, you know, this isn't possible without you guys. And we need your help. We need your you know, comments and suggestions, case suggestions, everything you want to hear. We're doing this for you guys. So become a part of it. You can help us bring you more content by subscribing, telling friends, sharing on Facebook and other social media platforms, and by leaving a five-star rating and a review. You can email me to find out about production services and check out Exploring Evil for True Crime, and Ryan's going to tell us about his podcast. Yeah, you guys can also check out Movie Hell, where you can find your next favorite movie, learn about a hidden gem or two, and hopefully have a great time doing so. Crypt Keepers, we hope you had as much fun as we did tonight, so sleep tight and catch us next time on Cryptique.